The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device to listen to us anywhere in the entire world. Amber Turner is broadcasting from her home, and I am broadcasting from the WLXU studios here in Lexington. We are still slap dab in the middle of Christmas time. It is a very festive season here at Off the Cuff. Amber, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little disappointed that here it is December the 10th, and I have yet to get any uh, knock on the doors from any Christmas carolers. <laughs> now, have you ever gotten a knock on the door from Christmas carolers? I never have. So I've always wondered, if is that a myth? Is that something that they used to do in the 1950s and then stopped? <laughs> I don't know, maybe by the 1950s. I think it's just something that we did not grow up with. I'll tell you that. And it's that's sad because that is a really cool thing that people do they it's usually church groups but they'll go around and they'll just sing christmas songs and now look i can imagine one of them coming to my papa's door and knocking on his door during like i don't know monday night raw and interrupting him while he's watching his show and him being like i don't even like this and like slamming the door in their face so i guess i see why nobody back home probably ever did it. and and that's the thing like are people going to appreciate the carolers if they actually had some show up at their door because a lot of people don't like to be bothered and I don't I don't like me for instance here I say I like to have Christmas carolers show up but I don't like to be bothered either and no. especially if I'm just chilling vibing and I am and I'm not expecting company the last thing I want is a knock at the door because correct me I mean you can agree with me or not but I think mm-hmm. that a knock at the door is one of the most intimidating slash stressful slash scariest things that you can hear. I I hate the sound of a knock at the door. Or a doorbell. And I think a lot of my stress comes from I usually don't have pants on. And I've got a huge glass door. My door is nothing but glass. So I'm always petrified. And plus, you know, my dogs go crazy if you knock on my door. Yeah. Well, no Christmas carolers. I have received a few Christmas cards. Not as many as what I thought I would receive. I I remember Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, my parents would receive a plethora of Christmas cards. And I don't know if that's just because they were more liked than what I am now. (laughs) But I've not received hardly any. I've received received two. I received one in Japanese that I don't know who's from. I seen that one. I seen that one. And then I received another one from my aunt who's been sending them since the 1950s. <laughs> well, I just think it's a matter of snail like snail mail. I just don't do it. Now this year I said I was going to do Christmas cards, so you can't expect a third one to add to your wall if you hang them on the wall like everybody else used to cuz uh, I'll 
stingy one. Yeah, because aren't Christmas cards just cool? Because even in the age of social media and instant updates, I mean, real honest-to-goodness cards, just handwritten, that's a way to reconnect with people. That's a way to just show people that you care. Simple Christmas cards, just writing a little simple message. Because I remember my aunt, who I don't speak to all of the time, mm-hmm. I don't. She sent me a card and she wrote a brief message in there saying, Adam, very proud of you, thinking of you, I love you. And that meant the world to me. Aww. I mean, that meant the absolute That's world nice. to me. So thank you, Imogene and Charles, for sending me that card. That was very <laughs> sweet. And hey, if you want to send me a card... I don't know, should I give out my... No, I probably shouldn't get out my mailing address. No! Send, send a virtual... <laughs> Send a virtual card to me at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. <laughs> I, for a second there, I thought you were going to give out your address, and I was going to say, "Oh no!" That would be that would be a terrible thing to do. But I am in the Christmas spirit. I am excited uh, to have Christmas uh, approaching. We will be in studio on December twenty fourth. On um, that. That's a Christmas Eve. We're going to be doing a Christmas Eve special, so we're going to be in studio for Christmas Eve, so I'm very excited about that. I'm but, not. But Amber, I know, because I got you working on the holidays. <laughs> got me work. I've not worked a holiday in like three years, so thank you, Banks, for making me work a holiday again. Well, that's actually not true. You actually, the last time you worked on a holiday was just two weeks ago, because I made you I work will. on Thanksgiving. I was trying to forget that because, you know, where I am at home, it does make it a little bit better. I mean, you do have to drive all the way to the studio. So, you know, it wasn't as bad. So hopefully Christmas Eve will be like that, too. The What I love about doing live radio and one of the endearing things about live radio is that things are constantly changing. And you really can't prep for a show that's very news-oriented like our show is because you never know when news is going to change or break. And I read somewhere earlier that the NCAA was going to be making a huge announcement sometime today. I don't know if they've already made it. I don't know if they've made it since we've been on the air. But I I don't feel good about it because COVID is worse today than Mm -hmm. it was back in March when everything shut down. So the fact that, yes, there is a vaccine on, in the works, which gives us some hope. But the fact that the NCAA was supposed to meet today makes me a little worried. I know a lot of people here in Lexington or across the state wouldn't mind for basketball season to be count, to be canceled because of how poorly the Cats have been doing. Have you got a chance to watch how awful the Cats have been? You know, from the statuses I've seen on social media, I've not, but I'm going to assume it's not been very good. Kentucky fell to a record now of 1-3 for the first time since 2000 and 2001. Uh, They had a 79-62 loss to Georgia Tech this past Sunday. It was the third straight loss for Kentucky this year. It makes them now 1-3. And... Without surprise, Kentucky has now fallen from the polls. And this defeat gave Kentucky its second three-game losing streak in John Calipari's 12 seasons as a coach. A lot of people have been on Calipari saying, fire Cal, fire Cal, Cal needs to go, Cal needs to get out of here. I ha- Here's what I'm going to say about that. I don't. I understand both sides. I understand yeah. the frustrations that people have with John Calipari. Number number one, it's the one and dones. And I will just say this too: I 
including me, I also get frustrated with the way Cal does things. Now, am I saying yeah. am I saying that I want Cal fired or do I want Cal to quit? Not necessarily, but I do understand where fans are coming from when they say they are frustrated with Cal. They miss college basketball. That's well, because it was something that was fun, and we don't have anything fun right now. We don't. I mean, when you turn on the TV and you see five fresh faces on TV every single season, you never know who's playing. You never know whose number is, is, is what. You never know who's playing what position. You never know really anything about any of the people on the roster. That gets old. And those who are true college basketball fans love that getting to know a player, getting to watch them develop, getting to watch them grow. And in the last 12 seasons here in Kentucky under John Calipari, we really haven't had real authentic college basketball. We've been a glorified G League team. So I can see... Yes, we have been the projectile to push people forward. So I can see the frustrations that people have with Coach Cal. Now, with that being said, his winning percentage is unprecedented. His uh, What he's done uh, at Kentucky, bringing it back to prominence from the dark days of uh, Billy Gillespie, it's unparalleled what he's done here at Kentucky. But... He's been here 12 years. He has to get another title. For people to leave him alone, he's got to win another title because I think if he does that, then I think he will pacify people who are frustrated with him at least for another three or four years. But I can understand why people are frustrated with Cal. They miss authentic real college ball, and they don't get that under Cal. Well, and and that's understandable. And again, like I said, this is it's something that people enjoy doing. And right now, people don't have a lot of things that they can enjoy doing. And you know, to see the UK is not playing well. I mean, they ain't nothing worse than your favorite team losing. But your favorite team losing three times during a pandemic and all the restaurants is closed. I'm sure it's a bad time. And he lost not only to a really bad team in Georgia Tech, but he lost for the first time ever to a former assistant coach. Josh Pastor is kind of John Calipari's prodigy. He's the guy who took over Memphis when Cal left for Kentucky. He was Cal's just protege. And here Josh Pastor goes and beats yeah. Cal, something that none of uh, uh, Cal's other protégés have ever done. And here he has beat Cal. I mean, when you're a team like Georgia Tech and you're beating a person like John Calipari in a school like the University of Kentucky, that doesn't go over well with fans. It just doesn't. I know, especially these people that pay the amounts that they do to get the seats that they do. So they're not they're already not able to go and sit there and enjoy it and they're watching it. It is so to see them be beat by someone that's not held as highly as Kentucky, I'm sure that was almost kind of like a slap in the face. A lot of changes happening also with the UK football program. Eddie Grant, who was the offensive coordinator was fired. He is the third offensive coach that we have had in the Stoops era. We had uh, Shannon Dawson. We had uh, Neil Brown. Eddie Graham was the third one. I don't think that was the right decision for Mark Stoops to do. Eddie Graham, if you want to look at maybe what caused a lot of success at Kentucky, it was Eddie Grant. He's the guy who brought in Benny Snell. I believe that's the case. I believe he brought in Benny Snell. Uh, yeah. He Under Grant, you had seasons like a 10-3 and three season, an 8-5 and five season. You had two bowl appearances. Uh, it was 
two of Kentucky's biggest premier years under Stoops was with Eddie Grant as the offensive coordinator. And whenever you see coaches starting to get fired, I'm talking to offensive or offensive and defensive coordinators, it's pressure, it's fire under their feet from the athletic director because it's either them or the head coach. I was hoping that Mark Stoops would get fired. I think if you want to really look at the problem at UK football, it's the head man. It's Mark Stoops. I mean, the the record that Stoops has had at Kentucky is unparalleled. And it's the opposite of what John Calipari has. Everybody wants to talk about firing Cal. We're talking about firing the wrong head coach, guys. We're talking about a coach who has had a overall losing record at Kentucky since he's been here. 48 and 50 as a matter of fact. In the conference, Amber, he is 24 and 42 in the SEC. Come wow. on. Stop it. To get paid that much and to lose that much, you can't convince he loses, me. He loses 50% of the time almost. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And, he, and he's it's almost always guaranteed that he's going to lose when he plays a big-time program. And people want to get on here and say, yeah. well, he beat Florida. Okay, okay, how long has he been here? Eight, nine times? years? How many times has he beat Florida in eight, nine years? Well, he uh, they beat Tennessee at Tennessee. Okay. Well, it took him eight or nine years to do it. I could see. How many other times did Tennessee whip us, though? I could see bragging on Stoops if he was doing this his first, second, third year at Kentucky. This is his eighth or ninth year yeah. at Kentucky. Of course he needs to be beating Tennessee. Of course he needs to be beating Florida. <sighs> Tell me how you really feel. I'm getting fired up over the wrong guy. But I think that uh, Eddie Grant, I don't think that was the right move for Mark Stoops. I, and I, I think it was just something that he felt pressured to do. And it's not going to be, it's not going to bode over well for him. Now, did they give a reason as to why he was let go? I, I, I no. I hate when they do that because it leaves open for so much speculation. And that's that's terrible, especially when you've got fans who are already starving for the sport, and now you're you're leaving them with little breadcrumbs of things that are changing, but you're not giving them updates. So they don't get the sport. Now they're not getting updates. I can see why people are mad. Yep. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. But before we go on break, I want to tell everybody what we got coming up on the show today. It is Christmas time here in the city, in Lexington. So we want to keep our celebratory moments going. So we have Will Muse on the show today. He's going to be uh, talking about his new Christmas single, Mary Did You Know? And Will's going to be joining us in the last segment of the show. We're going to be playing that song. We're going to be talking to him. I know Amber's excited. We had Will on the show last year, and uh, if you want to check out that show in our archives, but we're going to see what all Will's been up to this year, and we're very excited to have him back. He'll be joining us via Zoom. But that's coming up in the last segment, but we're going to take a quick break. we got lots more Off the Cuff coming at you live after these words. everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also joining me. We have requested your letters to Santa here at Off the Cuff. We've asked you to send them in our to our Facebook page. You can still do that because we're going to be reading them next week 
and we're going to be reading them on Christmas Eve, so make sure that you get them in. We're actually going to be doing a cutoff on when you could send them in, and the cutoff will be next Thursday. So make sure you get your letters to Santa in next Thursday. But Amber, we got another stack of letters to read, shall we? Okay. Oh, of course. I'm excited. All right. Dear Santa, this Christmas I am 10 years old. This year I have been naughty but nice, but trying to do better. (laughs) Okay, honesty. What I would like this Christmas is a PlayStation 5, and I promise to leave cookies out for you under the tree. P.S. I would like a four-wheeler as well. Merry Christmas, Santa. Love, Braden Brown. P.S. Please say hi to Mrs. Claus for me. It's very sweet. Dear Santa, this Christmas I am 10 years old. This year I have been good some of the time. What I would like most this Christmas is a PlayStation 5 and a bike. And I promise to leave cookies for you under the tree. Merry Christmas, Santa. Love, Landon Hayes. P.S. Please say hi to the elves for me. Aww. Dear Santa, I have been better than usual this year. I am hoping you will bring me lots of gifts. You can choose whatever you think I deserve. I promise to go ahead. I, I promise to go to bed early, and I will leave you a special treat. I think that you'll enjoy. Lots of love, Mackenzie. P.S. I would like a hoverboard. I thought Mackenzie. Hold on. I thought Mackenzie said bring whatever you like. Now she's being specific. <laughs> she's saying now I would like a hoverboard, a new iPhone 12, headphones, microphone. And Jordan shoes. Well, I'm going to McKenzie's house. <laughs> I love it. These letters to Santa, they never cease to amaze me. I love the fact that kids know no price tag. and <laughs> But when you're asking Santa for the gift, he knows no price tag either. Because Santa exactly makes all of these gifts in his workshop. So... I'm loving. Now, did you really think that when you were growing up that Santa's little helpers actually made all of your toys in like in Christmas Land or I guess the North Pole? Because I really sincerely did. Well, that's of course that's what happens, Amber. Nothing else in the world happens besides that. I don't know what you're talking about. Giving me the silent treatment. Well, I don't want to crush your dreams, Banks. So I guess we'll just continue to think that. All of our presents are made in the North Pole. We do need to go ahead and have a moment of silence. I, I feel like we need to have a moment of silence for WWE legend Pat Patterson, who passed away at the age of 79 years old, a true trailblazer in the industry. Pat Patterson was linked to many first in sports entertainment throughout his storied career. He was the father of the Royal Rumble, which just so happens to be my favorite pay-per-view. He created it. The idea of the men getting thrown over the top rope and the winner going to WrestleMania, that was all Pat Patterson's idea. The very first Intercontinental Champion, which just so happens to be one of the most important titles that the wrestling industry has ever seen. I mean, that is the secondary title to have in the WWE. If you have that title, that means that you are on your way of becoming the top guy. And Pat Patterson was the first one to hold it. I mean, he had a career spanning of over six decades. I mean, and the mark that he left on the industry is is unparalleled. I know I've been saying that a lot. Most people remember Pat Patterson's legendary career uh, with his feud with Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, most mostly... 
during the Attitude Era when he was with Gerald Briscoe and they did the whole Stooges combo where he was Mr. <laughs> McMahon's little right-hand man. That was great. I mean, and he entertained generation beyond generation beyond generation because he evolved. And he broke boundaries in the industry. He came out, one of the first wrestlers, might be the first wrestler, mainstream wrestlers, to come out as gay. And just what he's done for the business, it, it can't, it's hard to match executively what he has, has done. And, you know, Amber, I am a big wrestling fan, so are you, and I love to watch backstage footage of wrestling and documentaries on wrestling. And yeah. I love to watch that kind of stuff, what goes on behind the scenes. And whenever you see Vince McMahon, I notice that you always see Pat Patterson beside of him. Yep. And that means something when the most powerful man that everybody wants to be around and wants to have at least five minutes of conversation with. It's something that whenever you see that man, you also see another person with him all the time. You must really, really like that person's company. You must really trust that person. And you must really care about that person for you to want to be around them all of the time. Because think about Vince McMahon's time. He didn't let just anybody around him. No, and time time is money to Vince McMahon. So the fact that Pat Patterson was involved uh, in in all of these deals he made, and I'm sure he was at the house. I mean, I, I know that Stephanie and Shane call him Uncle. You know, when they were referencing him, uh, Uncle Pat. So I'm sure he was with the family a lot. So for a man that made uh, his life about you know the value of a dollar, Pat Patterson sure got a lot of Vince's you know time for free. So that has to mean something. Well, Shane tweeted out on the day he died. He said, "I cannot express how crushed I feel right now with the loss of Pat Patterson, a true member of my family." Mentor and dear friend, I love you, Pat. Godspeed. So you're talking about a guy who was close to the entire McMahon family, close to Stephanie, close to Shane, close to Vince, close to Linda. He was the family friend that they loved. And back when WWF was just a... It used to be a company where they didn't have a big, gigantic executive boardroom. They used to do all of that creative sitting around Vince's pool. And there was only a, about three or four men sitting around writing for the shows and writing for creative. And Pat Patterson was one of them. So to be in that intimate circle for that long, for this many decades, it says something. And... I hate that. Now, Pat Patterson, he did not live out his life without a little controversy. Uh, there was this thing called the Ring Boy scandal that happened in the early 90s, and that involved Pat Patterson. And it also involved someone else. I'm not really for sure. A lot of I don't really know the whole story. But it was basically where there was a few WWE executives that were sexually molesting children. Ring boys, 13, 14-year-old boys that would help set up the wrestling ring. And also, um, they were saying that Pat Patterson was right along with that, saying that, hey, if you want to work here, you're going to have to do this, this, and this to remain working here. And also, there was controversy with Pat Patterson saying that whenever an executive got hired in wrestling or a new wrestler, Pat Patterson would tell them, hey, you want to get to the top? You want to remain 
relevant, you've got to sleep with me. Because there was a guy who came forward and said that Pat Patterson demanded he sleep with him or he would get Vince to fire him. And you can YouTube this. You can go on YouTube and go to Geraldo. And I think that's who it is, Geraldo. Who I'm there. pretty sure it was Geraldo. Yeah. And you can just Google WWE uh, sexual abuse uh, scandal. And it will pop up the whole scandal about the ring boy and about the sexual um, allegations that were happening in the WWE back in the 90s. But they said Pat Patterson was right in the middle of that. There was never any proof. See, well, he was never convicted. And there was never any proof. So until there is proof, you can't just stomp all over the man's name. If he did do those things, horrible person. Horrible, horrible, horrible human being. But I'm not going to sit here and bash him when there's not been any hard copy proof right in front of me. But the wrestling world, again, lost a legend. I completely agree with you. Uh, if you kind of want to know what our thoughts of Pat Pat, well, my thoughts of Pat Patterson, uh, check out any of the Raws from 1998, uh, especially him against the Mean Street Posse. I have never seen a man move like that, and he got his belt off and whooped Pete Gas with his belt right there in the middle of that ring in front of all of those fans, and I was like, I, I, I want to be like that. I want to have that kind of confidence that I could do that. So rest in peace to Pat Patterson. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a Quick break. We'll be right back after these words. Stick with us. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul. Little contact pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Welcome back to Off the Cuff, everyone. I'm Adam Banks. Amber is also joining me. Another holiday classic, Frosty the Snowman. We've had a little bit of snow. Have you... Went outside and attempted to build a snowman, Amber? Um, I did not. Did you? I have not. I've always when's wanted to... When's the last to... time you built a snowman? What? Like, in all sincerity, when's the last time you for real built one? Since I was a kid. Since I was a, Since I was a small child. And I've always wanted to make my snowman look as nice as what it was on the movie. But yeah. when's the last time we got a big enough snow to make a snowman like that? Uh, 2015, I think, was the last like big, big snow we had. Yeah. I think that's the last time I built one. So you actually went out and made a snow and all that? Yeah, I love playing in the snow. Made a little snowman. Did you put a carrot for his nose and two things well, of coal I, for his eyes? No, that was back before I was eating good, so I didn't keep carrots in the house. So <laughs> no, he never had a nose, and I ain't got no coal up here. We're in Lexington. We're not in coal country no more. So no, mom was just a plain Jane. Amber, I have a story here that I want to talk about, and it involves history. History in the making. A woman... History 101? Yes. A woman has now officially played men's college football. Her name is Sarah Fuller, and she is now an official member of the Vanderbilt football team. She's the first woman to ever play in a Power 5 game. And that happened just the other day when they played Missouri last Saturday. No woman has ever appeared in the Southeastern Conference football game or any Power 5 football team for that matter. She wore play like a girl on the back of her helmet. And after that kick that she did 
we definitely now know it was a girl. I'm kidding. <laughs> Before people that write me mean. and say, oh, okay. I mean, she wasn't good. She well, wasn't. I mean, imagine the stress that that woman was under. I mean, uh, football is a sport that is not offered to women on a collegiate level. There, I mean, there is powder, you know, powder puff football. I totally get that, but it is very sexualized. So here is this woman. She's doing groundbreaking things. She's out there. She's whooping butt. I'm sure she's probably very nervous. She's very anxious. I don't know about you, but I can't play worth a nickel if I'm nervous. If Sarah Fuller wants to play football, I believe that she can, and I believe that she should, but she should play on a women's football team. There does not need to be intergender football, and the, and the reason being, well, there needs to be. It, they don't need to just go ahead and start adding women to the men's football team because... Yeah, can we add our own team? You certainly can. You certainly can. Be my guest. If you want to have an all-female football league, go right ahead. Let's see how well that works out because the WNBA is definitely a failure and a disaster. But It's I, still on, though. It's still on, but it's horrible. I think that maybe you and some somebody else is watching it. It's the only two it's people watching on. it. But if you're talking female football league, I can get behind it. I would support it. Be like, cool. But when you start adding women to a men's football team... That's a problem, and I'll tell you why. Somebody's going to get hurt. And when somebody does get hurt, what's going to happen? If uh, you see that you've watched football, you see Mm -hmm. sometimes how hard, or you see how hard these men hit each other. Yeah. It's not a sport for the weak at heart. And I'm not saying that women are weak at heart, but physically, biologically, a man is going to be more powerful playing football than a woman is. And if you don't believe me, let's just throw them out there and let's just see what happens. And then after we've got 50 women with 50 broken bones on their bodies, then everybody's going to be singing a different tune. And, buddy, you'll have 50 women out there with 50 broken body, uh, bo- broken bones that will still continue to play because women have a much higher pain tolerance. Y'all take us down. That's okay, but we're going to get back up. You mean to tell me that yeah. if I was the... Take a woman, and I was to hey, I, I was to take her onto the football field at yeah. let's just say the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, and let's just say I'm going to have you go out here, and I'm going to have you be a running back. Yeah, okay. You mean to honestly tell me that you would feel comfortable watching a female be a running back against three, four hundred pound linebackers? Look here. We have talked to a woman who has experienced men putting her through tables. We watch these women in wrestling. You know, I'm thinking specifically of Stephanie McMahon at Vengeance 2003. She took a massive spear by A-Train, which we know is is Prince Albert. That man's 300 and some pounds that she took it. If you know how to properly take these hits, you're not going to get hurt. Don't say we're weak. We're not. I understand. It I was, is always, it's always been men. I get that. I, we get it. We hear y'all loud and clear. We're hearing you. We just want to be able to play, too. So if if it's going to be an issue that women are going to get hurt playing football, make us a league. Why do y'all get to have a league and we can't have a league? Sean says on the show thread, it can't be much different than a smaller guy getting hit by a big guy. If she's big and strong enough, let's get it done. It's biology, Sean. It's biology. It's biologically. It's all I'm going to say is you guys can say all you want that you could throw women on the football field with men and let them play and let them yep. play. And, and keep in mind this this lady here that played football, this Miss mm-hmm. Fuller. She wasn't out taking tackles. She was a kicker because she plays on the Vandy soccer team as their goalie, and she was a great cool. kicker. So yes, I can see 
women playing positions like that because they're guarded from getting tackled. But, I mean, it still could happen. It's, we know that. <laughs> We know. I mean, like, we know We know the risks. It's like, I, I'm so sorry. It's like people think that when women want to step up and play these heavier sports, it's like none of y'all ever watched The Little Giants. You remember that movie that came out in the 90s? Where yes, the girl joins yes. The, the dominate yes you guys forget we're not weak we're not feeble we're here we're women y'all can knock us down buddy me and you can go out there and tackle in the front yard if you want to you just you wait down, and see you wait like if you was to throw women out on the football field and have them playing positions to where they could get ran over by 350 pound men nothing but pure mm-hmm. iron muscle running cool. these women over you think that they yeah. would be okay to go back out there and do it again after getting hit just well, once if i'm actively choosing and i know i've been you know i'm sure she watches football so she actively made that decision she knew all right bulls i'm gonna go ahead and get tackled she knew that going into it and if we're willing to accept that y'all ain't got nothing to say y'all ain't got nothing to say we're willing to accept it we're there obviously she she knew what she was taking on when she signed up to be a part of the team so do you okay? Better do her thing. Uh, okay. So I said it was okay for women to have a women their own league, their own football team, but they got to play against other yeah. women. That's what I'm saying. But are you saying that you feel like that women should be included intergenderly in football with other men? I'm saying we we don't have a league of our own. We don't. This is not a collegiate sport that women have the opportunity to be a part of. So until you until the collegiate sports want to build women their own league, yeah. Why why are they not allowed? Because I mean, even look at cheerleader, cheerleading. It is it is predominantly known as a female mm-hmm. sport, but yet we allow men because we don't have men specific cheerleading teams. So until we make one of those, I don't have a problem with men joining cheerleading teams whatsoever. It's too. So, Make us a team. I I can agree with you on getting a team. I agree with you on getting a female team, but playing against female. And you talk about this intergender wrestling. I was not a fan of intergender wrestling. I don't think that men and women well, should be fighting happened. each other. And it sucked. You can't name me one good hey, ever. They sold seats. You can't. Yeah, because they were there to see the main attraction, which was probably The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Or they was not there to watch China, God rest her soul, versus oh, Chris no, Jericho. Even. They were not there to watch China versus Chris Jericho. They were there to watch. No, China was a great female specimen, and she was a great athlete. Nobody's taken that away from her. She was a great athlete. Period. Great athlete. Period. But her mm, her matches with men were just not that great. No, I disagree with you one hundred percent on that. My my girl carries it. Look, quit doubting us. Who's saying? Who's saying? Quitting doubting us. I'm saying quit doubting us. If we want to take a hit, we understand what we're signing up for. We know what we're getting into. We already know. We know. Let's see. Uh, Sean Powell says on the show thread, he says, Would it be fair for some tall girl to guard Shaq in the post? Probably not, but neither could Steph Curry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just... Even, let's take it in basketball. Could you put a female out there against Shaq and, and have her... Play we defense don't need against to. Shaq. We got our own league. That's, we don't need to. Right. So you're saying until you get your own league, they should be included into the men's sport. If a woman wants to play that man's sport, we don't have our own collegiate teams. Yes. If you don't want her on there, make us our own team, baby. We'll have our own team. And we'll sell seats just as easy. Okay. Well, there you go. 
she she did get in the game. She did get a kick, and I thought it was pretty cool, the fact that she was the first person to ever do that. And uh, she kicked the ball all the way to the... Uh, well, the reason it even happened, the reason she got to be one of the first women to be on the football team is because during her, one of her soccer practices, um, their soccer coach uh, wanted them to do like these kicks from long ranges, so a ball was placed near the 10-yard line, and then uh, Fuller, along with some other teammates, were instructed to take aim at the curtain uh, that was hanging at the rafters. And each successful kick meant they'd step back for another five yards and try it again to see how far they could go. And Fuller was the last of her teammates left standing all the way back at the 45-yard mark. So they were like, hey, you can kick it far. You can kick this soccer ball far. I guess you could kick a football far, too. So they let her be on the Vandy football they team. They never let her do nothing. That girl earned her spot. Don't say they let her. She earned it. And the final score of that game was Vandy 40, or I'm sorry, Missouri 41, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt 0. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to play a little Christmas music. We got Will Muse releasing his new song, Mary Did You Know? And we're also going to talk to the artist himself after these words. Stick with it. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go... Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also joining me. Last segment of the hour. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I was telling you all at the top of the hour, at the beginning of the show, that we were going to have a musical guest join us, Will Muse. He is going to be joining us via Zoom. But before we talk to Will, I want to play Will's latest Christmas song that he's released. I love it. And we haven't ever played this song on... We've not even played this song in general on the radio. Uh, But this is Mary Did You Know, Will Muse's new Christmas song. Enjoy. What a great song that was. That was Will Muse, Mary Did You Know, and that is going across the airwaves right now. I don't know where, where all it's being heard, but right now, I know that Lexington, Kentucky just heard it. And on the show, we have... The artist himself, Will Muse. Will, we have him joining us via Zoom. How you doing, sir? I think you've got yourself on mute, so just take yourself off mute. And how you doing? Pretty good. How are you all? Very good to see you, my man. Uh, I tell you, 2020 has been such a year, to say the least, for everyone. How has 2020 affected you, Will? Well, I guess um, it's been okay. I've been trying to, you know, do everything that I can to make the best of it. But um, I guess, you know, the music industry has been hit uh, pretty hard by kind of the whole um, coronavirus things. That's been a little bit different. A lot of uh, live performance opportunities have kind of been um, canceled and some, um, I guess, a little bit prohibitive. But, you know, overall, I've been just trying to make the best of it, you know, focusing a lot on doing some writing and recording and also just some know just growing as an artist and doing some other stuff yeah so you have kind of been forced to be at home and we all have we've been forced to kind of tap into our creative minds so do you think that you have been able to 
push the the creative envelope a little bit more and to show more of your creativity because you you've had so much time being at home quarantining yes certainly certainly i definitely i definitely think so and um, yeah definitely. and you say that you know you mentioned that the live performance aspect of your job you don't really get to go yes. out and do live performances that's got to that's got to suck i mean because does, that's the definitely. biggest that's one of the biggest reasons why you even got into this well, definitely. And also, you know, as an artist, you know, there are some artists and they, you know, love to write songs, and, you know, they love to be in the studio. But really, I think that my absolutely favorite activity as an artist is definitely 100 percent, you know, doing the live performances, really, you know, being able to, you know, make that connection with the audience. You know, it just really is, is my favorite um, part of being an artist. So yeah, it definitely has a, kind of been a, an adjustment for sure. Let's talk about the song we just heard, Mary, Did yeah. You Know? Why did you choose that song? to cover well you know really it has just always been you know one of my absolute favorite christmas songs and even you know i listen to that song in other times of the year when it's not even christmas and i just think you know the the message you know just the the truth you know behind our lord and savior and i, I just think it's a, it's a fantastic message that the world you know really needs to hear right now and just overall i think it's just an absolutely brilliant song possibly you know one of the, the greatest songs ever written so yeah i was you know super you know pleased to be able to cover that Amber, I want to give you a chance to talk to Will because I know how much uh, you love him. So go ahead and talk to your boy. Hey, Will, how are you? Great. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing so great. Um, I did get to see that you've done a few um, performances on Facebook. I did get to catch one, I think, that you did for the charity uh, that you were working for. Yes. Yes, I I got to catch you do that. That was that was amazing. Um, I, you know, I absolutely love the new song because you know I I love everything that you put out. So I very much enjoyed you dropping this. So thank you, thanks well, for thank letting me so, say it. And Will, I'm so happy that yeah. you're here. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to be here as well. So, Will, uh, tell everybody kind of what's what's going on with you. What have you been up to as far as your career? It's we've not talked to you in a year. So, what's yeah. changed since the last time we talked? Well, definitely, you know, I've been, you know, obviously, you know, writing and spending a lot of time, you know, creating new music. And, you know, actually this year I had had, you know, a small, maybe live uh, performance tour that was planned and that kind of was canceled in a sense. So that's definitely been an adjustment. But uh, one thing that I have been able to get into, which I really have been able to enjoy, is I have actually started, you know, doing uh, quite a bit of work within actually the business side of the music industry. So I've been, you know, uh, performing, you know, some digital marketing and some media services actually for other artists. So it's been pretty awesome. Me, you know, to be able to use you know kind of the knowledge that I've accumulated and learned over the years um, to help and uh, and you know to grow other artists and help their careers as well. So it's been a, definitely kind of a, a cool adjustment to be able to uh, get into the business side of the industry. We're going to play another song of yours. It's "I Can Change" and it's a remix. Oh, yes. yes. Tell us about that song. Yes, so I wrote that song. Um, it was really, it was actually the first real song that I had um, ever written, you know, recorded and released. And I just I wrote that song, you know, um, based upon, you know, kind of the uh, the idea that, you know, no matter what bad situation or, you know, turmoil is going on, you know, within the world or affecting an individual, um, you know, if you just have one person who's there to really believe in you and to really 
it'll help you and to be there for you, then you can, you know, kind of change and overcome. So that's kind of the inspiration behind that song. And, you know, I actually recorded that initially when I was about 14 years old. So um, this year I um, actually made a remix, you know, my voice had changed, you know, a little bit. And um, I have uh, been able to, you know, make the, make the remix and, um, you know, kind of some new vocals and, you know, some kind of um, different um, instrumentation, kind of a more pop mix of the songs. So, yeah. So are you 18 now? Yes, I just turned 18. Yes, I had a birthday back a week ago on uh, on December the 3rd. Yes. <laughs> so your your audience obviously grows with the older you get, and I'm sure a lot of your fans are aging along with you. Yes. Do you worry ever that, hey, I'm going to outgrow my fans, or do you kind of just adapt along with just the times and you well, just hope that your I, fans kind of adopt the music yeah, as you I go just along. kind of adapt you know with the times and also you know one thing is I always you know from being a very small child, I've been very kind of oriented towards older music you know stuff from the you know 70s 80s 90s you know really great classic music so I think you know a lot of that influence you know that can maybe resonate with uh, maybe some some older fans but I really I seem to do uh, do actually predominantly uh, better with a kind of an older demographic which I think is pretty awesome so yeah, it's it's great. Well, we'll tell everyone how they can reach you. Plug all your social medias. Yes, yeah, so you can reach me um, on Facebook, Instagram. It is a Will Muse Music, a W I L L M U S E M U S I C. You can also go to willmusemusic.com. Again, that is willmusemusic.com. Will, I want to appreciate you for taking just a short time to speak with Amber and I, and we appreciate you uh, bringing in that new music, too, and we hope to have you on very, very soon again. Yes, absolutely. I really uh, hope to be on as well. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Will Will Muse. Thank you so much for being here, and we're going to close out the show with another song by Will Muse, and it was the song we were just talking about, I Can Change. And it's a remix of his original I Can Change song. But we're going to go ahead and play it now. I'm going to go ahead and say thank you to all of our listeners for listening to this this week's episode of Off the Cuff. You can listen to all of our previous episodes by going to our podcast at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever podcasting can be streamed. You can download the RadioLex app. To listen to new episodes of Off the Cuff every Thursday live from 4 to 5. You can follow Amber, the co-host, on all social media platforms at Ambu447. You can follow me, the host, on all social media platforms at the Adam Banks. That is Amber Turner. I am Adam Banks. And this is Off the Cuff. We will see you next Thursday from 4 to 5. And here's Will Muse. Actually, this isn't the song I was wanting to play. That was Mary. Did you know? This is what I'm wanting to play. This is Will Muse. I can change his remix. Enjoy. <laughs>